series called Irresistible Church. A new series called Irresistible Church. I think we've got a slide. There we go. Actually, that is a picture of Thessalonica in today's time, that tower. But we're going to walk through the book of 1 Thessalonians. And it's one of those, one of those churches, I think, that to me, I would love to become a church like the Thessalonian church. And um, in terms of its impact, and you'll see that the subtitle is a port city church that influenced the nation with the love of Jesus. And the reason why I put that in there is because that was a port city church and we are a port city church that has the ability to influence a nation with the love of Jesus. And uh, so we're going we're gonna to get into that over the next few weeks, actually for, for the next probably till the end of the year, as we begin to unpack and see what we can learn from that church. This morning what I'm going to do is I'm going to intro it and give you some context and background for how this church came about, about from the book of Acts. And it's, so it's going to be a little bit che- uh, teachy. Um, it's kind of one of those sermons that, that kind of you think, well, is this going to change my life? It might not change your life, but it's going to deepen your faith. When we start to understand that the, the Bible that we read is a real, it's real life. It's people making decisions. It's people making a choice of where to go and how to get there and then being persecuted and going somewhere else. And actually God's in that because the gospel spreads to somewhere else. And you'll see as we unpack this morning and read from the scriptures this morning, it's profound how God works to establish his church and how the gospel works to establish the church and then how the church works to to spread the gospel. And uh, this church of 1 Thessalonians, of, of, of Thessalonians, is this wonderful um, example of a church that was planted in three Sabbaths, three weeks. Three weeks. So let's, uh, let's get there. So if you can turn in your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 1, I'm going to literally go there, and then we're going to go to Acts chapter 17. So... Um, This is how it starts. Ah, verse 1. Paul, Silas, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. This is a standard introduction to a letter. So instead of grace and peace to you, the writer in those days would just say greetings. What Paul does, he changes greetings to grace and peace to you. It's a play on words. Grace and greetings in the Greek sound very familiar, but he doesn't just say greetings to you. He wants to extend the grace of God to them. So he opens his letter most of the time in that way. I want to extend the grace of God to you, and I want to extend the peace of God to you, and this is the way he greets them. But it starts off with Paul, Silas, and Timothy. Now, Paul, Silas, and Timothy didn't write this letter. Paul wrote the letter, but Paul, Silas, and Timothy were his traveling companions. Whenever Paul traveled, he always traveled in team. That's why whenever we go into another church, we take people with us. He always walked, worked in team. He always traveled in team. And you'll see in the scripture, if, if you read Acts chapter 13, 14, 15, 16 into 17, you'll see he, he leaves with Silas. And then he picks up Timothy along the way. And then Luke comes in in, in Troas and joins them. And they kind of this team walking along and spreading the gospel through Asia Minor, and I'll show you a map now. I said to Heather, babe, do you like maps? She says, no, I don't like maps. It's like, she says, now she's telling me she does like maps. 
If, if maps, when I put up a map there and you close down, you think, oh, Stan, I don't like maps. Maps are important because it gives you context. It helps you understand this is real. The places that the Bible talks about are not kind of ethereal places in the sky. They're in places in modern-day Greece and modern-day Turkey is actually where the places are today. And uh, I love the maps because I like to understand where it is and where they're going and where he picks it up. And then you can track and see how it locks. That's just the way my mind works. And I, I don't know, not everybody's mind works like, works like that. But it is amazing to see how the scriptures come to life when you start to understand those things. So Paul and Timothy and Silas are on their way together. And Paul now writes this letter to the Thess Thessalonians. So he's saying, listen, he, part of the reason why he says Paul uh, Silas and Timothy is because Timothy is going back with the letter to them. So he's endorsing Timothy to say, when you see Timothy, it's like me coming as well. It's not just, he's kind of trying to, he's trying to build a community so that they're representing me. So receive them well. When you receive these guys, it's like you're receiving me. So he's writing this letter from the three of them to the church of the Thessalonians in God. To the church, to the ecclesia, to the Thessalonian church, to the church in Durban, to the church in Thessalonica, to the church in this place. The church is not a building, it's to the people where God established his kingdom through these people in that area, in that place, in, in Durban, in wherever it is. It's not a local church, it's in an area. So when God sees the church in Durban, he doesn't just see Glenridge Church, he sees the church in Durban. And so that's why unity among the churches is so key. If we can get that right, I think there would be revival very quickly. And he says, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So just to quickly get back into some of the background intro. So ancient Thessalonica, it's the modern day Soloniki or Thessaloniki. That's kind of, it's very close to, so you can, you can kind of understand it. It was founded in 315 BC by a guy called Cassander, one of Alexander the Great's army officers. So I love knowing that because you think Alexander the Great, miles back, Jesus, yeah, I don't know about Jesus. No, Alexander the Great, it's in the history of the scriptures. So Alexander the Great, one of his generals, founded this city and named it after his wife who just happened to be Alexander the, the Great's half-sister. So that's how Thessalonica got its name. It was a strategic city. It had a natural harbor. It, it was on the routes that was a major trade route. So this, this city was a very important city. It's an amazing thing that when God leads Paul, he always leads him to strategic cities. I want to tell you, friends, Durban is a strategic city in South Africa. As is Cape Town, as is Johannesburg, strategic cities. If the gospel gets hold of Durban, it goes through South Africa. It's a port city. It's a, it's a cargo city. It's a place where people come and go from. It's a tourist city. It's a place where people are coming and going. If the gospel, if people are on fire in Durban, when people come to Durban, they get fired up for the gospel. And what happens is the gospel, Paul comes into these places and he establishes communities of faith into these places. It was the capital of the Roman province of Macedonia. It was also a free city, 
which meant it had its own government. It was under the Roman government, but it had its own, it, it kind of governed itself. It had its own money. It had its own laws. Amazing. Paul goes into the strategic city, a free city, and plants the gospel into that place. Now, he wants to bring freedom to a free city. How ironic is that? And so with that in mind, let's read Acts chapter 17. Are we good so far? I haven't lost you? Interesting? Like I say, not going to change your life. Nick loves history, so he likes this stuff. Me too, I like this stuff. It's important, exactly. Okay, Acts chapter 17. Before we get there, Acts chapter 16, if we can put that map up, please. How are the maps, guys? Don't switch off. Map. Okay, there's a map. Love it. Please tell me you love the map. It just makes me feel warm and fuzzy. I love my maps, guys. They're normally at the back of the Bible. They're in the Bible, not for free, because it's important. They're not the, it's not the book of maps. It's just, they're not, you know. Anyway. This is a map of Paul's journey, so the reason why I've got this, it's not the great, it's just the nicest one that shows you the different areas. So when it says that, when it says that Thessalonica, which is number 19 there, is the capital of Macedonia, you see where Macedonia is there, and then you see Achaia, you'll see in the book of Thessalonians it says, and the gospel, the Lord's message rang out to the whole of Macedonia and Achaia. This little church that established in three weeks, the, Lord, the gospel rang out from them to the whole of that region. How? I don't know how, but I want to know how. I want that power. I want that message. I want that revelation. I want that conviction of the gospel. And so what happens is Paul on his second journey, remember this for those that don't know, Paul had multiple journeys. So he went on his first journey and he, he established churches and then he goes back to them again and he strengthens and encourages him, them. And this was his second journey. His first journey was probably a year. His, his second journey was kind of three, to, three years or so. So you'd go on a journey for three years with his companions and, and he'd be, it was, not, it was rough traveling. Eh? It was not like get in your car, flying an aeroplane. It was rough. Dangerous, getting chased around, making enemies, all those sorts of things. So what happens is he goes, you see the blue numbers there, 14, 15, 16, 17. So if you go from 14, he, come, he moves along that, that red line, he carries on. And at 15, the reason why 15 is there, because in the book of Acts it says there, they were restrained from ministering in Asia. So instead of going to Asia, which is quite a big area, you think, well, surely you would go there. Why bypass that whole area? Now the Spirit of God is leading them. They've got a mission, but they're, they're moving. And friends, if you want to be led by God, you've got to be moving. So they're moving, but, they, but they're listening to God, and God's restraining them from going into Asia. So they just keep going north. And then it comes, they come to the border of Bithynia and Pontus there, at 16, and the, and the book of Acts says this, and the Holy Spirit stopped them from going into Bithynia. Read this in the book. Please go and read this in the Scriptures. I just can't read it all. It's time-consuming. Stopped them from going there, 
So they stopped going into Bithynia and they went to Troas, which is a port city, which is number 17 on the left-hand side. And in Troas, he has a dream, he has a vision of a Macedonian man calling him and saying, I need your help. So all the way along, Paul is coming along and he's, he's being led by God on this, on this journey with them, burning with the gospel, with the good news of Jesus. He's got a message to tell. And everywhere along the way, he's telling, he's telling stories and he's founding little communities. There's the grace of God on him. And in a place, suddenly the grace of God falls and people start to believe and, he, and communities of faith develop. Friends, when the kingdom of God comes into people's lives and they put their faith in Jesus, the first thing that happens is a church begins to form. It's not the, bar, it's not the kind of add-on. It's the first thing that happens. As communities of faith begin to form, they instruct and learn. They learn together what it means in this new way of life. And they band together, they help each other and begin to spread the gospel with each other. And so what happens is he gets to Troas and he realizes, no, he's got to get to Macedonia. So he moves to Macedonia and he goes to Philippi. He starts preaching the gospel in Philippi. He meets a lady called Lydia, a businesswoman, who's a, who's a dealer in fine linen and purple cloth. That becomes the center of the church in Philippi. Business people, please understand the role that you have to play in opening spaces for the gospel is not just with your money, it's with your presence. It's with your heart. She come, he goes to a prayer meeting and he meets Lydia in Acts chapter 16. And Lydia opens the way, opens her home. People start to get saved. Paul then starts to walk the streets of Philippi. And a young girl who is possessed by an evil spirit starts to prophesy and says to the people, listen to these people, they are from God. Paul gets irritated with her and casts the demon out of her. Her owners of the slave girl get upset because they no longer can make money out of her. And they persecute Paul and get him put in prison. And so Paul gets rashed and gets chased out of Philippi very quickly. In fact, there's a riot in the city. And so they, get, they, they, they put the tail, their tail between the legs and they're out of Philippi and they go to the next place, which is, Amp and what's it called there? Amphipolis, which is kind of a little bit down the road. And then eventually they're carrying on going and they end up in Thessalonica which is our book that we're going to be studying. So they've had a hectic time. They've had a fruitful time in Philippi, but they've had a hectic time. They've been persecuted in, in Philippi. And they, and, but the church is being established. Something. This lady becomes the center. It's her home. And, and, and it's in her home in which things begin to develop and things begin to take shape in Philippi. And eventually what happens is in verse chapter 17, we get to 17 now. Well, have a look. In verse 40 of 16, if you've got your Bibles. After Paul and Silas came out of prison, now they were put in prison in Philippi. They were beaten. It says they were beaten. They were put in stocks and they were worshiping God in prison. There was a great earthquake. How's this? In prison, an earthquake. Everything opens up. The jailer panics. Paul says, don't panic. The jailer gets saved and his whole family. In the midst of prison, the jailer gets saved. He gets a message from the authorities, let these guys go. 
Paul goes back to the authorities and says, hey, by the way, I'm a Roman citizen. You can't just whip me and beat me. I've got to have a proper trial. Who do you think you are? They panic. What have we done? We didn't know that you were a Roman citizen because Roman citizens had special rights. Anyway, Paul leaves the city. And verse 16, after Paul and Silas came out of the prison, they went to Lydia's house where they met with the brothers and sisters and encouragement, encouraged them, and they left. Went back to Lydia's house. See, Lydia becomes the, the center around which the gospel, her home and her business and her, 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 her um, influence becomes the center of the Philippian church. Then verse 17, when Paul and his companions had passed through and Pipphilus and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, which is where we're at. And there was a Jewish synagogue. As was his custom, Paul went into the synagogue, and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and proving that the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Messiah, he said. Some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and a quite a few prominent women. Amazing thing. So he goes into the, he goes as his, his the first place he starts is the synagogue. He's very familiar with the synagogue. He's got, he, he goes into the synagogue. He knows that the Jewish people understand the scriptures. They just need to get Jesus. So he goes there and he starts talking to them. But what happens is, that's on, that's on the Sabbath, but what's he doing in between, in the week? He's preaching the gospel. So now what's happening, there's a whole bunch of God-fearing Greeks that also get saved. And it says not, and a, and a few prominent women as well. So there's, it's not just what's happening in the synagogue. In fact, some commentators say the, the, the influence in the synagogue was not great, actually. What happened was, is his influence with some Jewish people outside of the synagogue and maybe a few inside the synagogue actually was what happened. But, but he starts to gather this group of believers now, this small group of believers that begin to have influence. But verse 5, look what happens. But other Jews were jealous. How can this guy come into our city, have all this influence, begin to tell these people about the Messiah, about Jesus, this is not right. So they rounded up a, bad, a bunch of, they rounded up a mob. Bad characters from the marketplace formed a mob and started a riot in the city. They rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out from the crowd. So these jealous Jews rushed back and they, now they, they form a mob. They get a riot going and they're trying to get Paul out of there. They, 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 and they're going to report him to the authorities. Let me just finish reading this. But when they did not find him, they dragged Jason and some other believers before the city officials, shouting, These men have caused trouble all over the world. Have they, all over the world have now they come here. And Jason was, has welcomed them into his house. They're all defying Caesar's decrees, saying that there's another king, one called Jesus. They're making this about it's a threat to Caesar now. They'll find anything to put Paul down. When they heard this, the crowd and the city officials were thrown into turmoil. Then they made Jason and the other, others postponed and let them go. So they form a mob. 
They can't find Paul, so they go to Jason. So it's, isn't this amazing? So in Philippi, it was Lydia. It was his, his, her home. In Thessalonica, it was Jason and his home. Already three, three, three Sabbaths in, and already a church is formed in Jason's home. And it's like, well, and Jason's opened his home to these guys. So it's not this very religious-looking meeting. It's like they've just, he's just been hospitable. But actually, it's a church meeting. They're encouraging. The gospel's been preached. They've been instructed. They've been taught. They've been, they're, already, this thing's starting to happen in Jason's home. And so they pull Jason out, and they, they put him in jail, and eventually they post-bond and let him go. But from this small moment... And then verse 10, as soon as it was night, the believers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. They're under, under pressure. The believers say, listen, Paul, but you can't stay here. You've got to go. And so they go to the next place, which is in Berea. Which then they move on to Athens, and then they move on to Corinth, which is, put that map up again, just so you can see what that means. So you see where Berea is, number 20. So they moved from Thessalonica, which is 19, to 20. And then eventually from Berea, they moved to Athens, which is 21. And then to Corinth, which is 22. So this is, this is the journey. This is how this church of Thessalon the Thessalonian church was planted. In this under persecution, in a very short space of time. And actually this, this, this church gets established. That's why in Thessalonians he says, I know that God is with you because the message came with, with, with deep conviction, with the power of the Spirit. Because in such a short time, deep truths were established in these guys that held them in the midst of persecution and helped them to grow and perse persevere in the midst of trial. It's a commendable thing. It's like, how did this happen? Lord, how do we get that right here in Durban, in Glenridge Church? They go south to Berea for a short mission. They go to Athens. And what happens is he requests Saul. Um, Paul eventually goes down to Athens and eventually he call, asks Silas and Timothy to join him in Athens. And what happens in Athens, this is just to complete the journey to the point of where Thessalonians gets written. So eventually they get to Athens. Silas and Timothy join him in Athens. And in Athens, he's so worried about what's going to happen in the Thessalonian moment because it's been such a short time and they're under such persecution. He's worried, he's worried, they, 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 he's worried about their, that they're going to make it. And so what he does is he sends Timothy back to, Thessalonia, to, to the Thessalonian church to find out how they're doing. And in the meantime, he moves to Corinth. So by the time Timothy comes back with the, the message, how they're doing, he's in Corinth and it's in Corinth, in the early days of Corinth, where he stays there for like a year and a half, that he writes the letter to the one, th to one Thessalonians, to the Thessalonian church, after Timothy has come back with news. That's how we get the letter. So it's this, it's this journey of running and then being concerned and a deep love for, and, and you see that right through the letter. So in 1 Thessalonians 3, chapter 1, he says, so when I could stand it no longer, we thought it best to be left for ourselves in Athens. He, he, couldn't, he couldn't, I'd rather be by myself and know how you're doing. So he sends Timothy to, to, Thessalo, to Thessalo, Thessalonica. Comes back, 
And then in 1 Thessalonians 3, chapter 6, but Timothy has just now come to us from you and has brought news about your faith and love. He's told us always about and the pleasant memories that you have of us, etc., and, he, and he's excited. So he comes back to Corinth, and then he writes the letter of 1 Thessalonians to encourage them with the news. And that news that he brings is twofold. One, he's encouraged that they're still standing strong under persecution, but they've also got a couple of faulty things that are coming and emerging into the church. So the first part of the Thessalonians is him encouraging about all the good things that they have done. Remembering also, this is probably the first or second letter Paul ever writes. It's one of his very earliest letters, AD 50, is what guys say that it was written, AD 50 or 51. So the first part of the letter, there's kind of three big things that he addresses in 1 Thessalonians. Is one, he gives thanks for everything that they are doing well. They're standing strong in persecution, their loyalty, their, their, their steadfastness, the, the messages ringing out, their faith. And so you see that in the beginning of 1 Thessalonians. Also, what's happened is Paul has been criticized by other people. Remember, Paul has run under persecution. So they're saying, listen, you listening to this Paul guy, he, he gapped it when you were under pressure and left you here. Can you trust him? So Paul is kind of being persecuted and being criticized. So part of the Thessalonian letter is Paul defending his apostleship and saying, actually, you know what? It's not true. You knew how I lived among you, etc., and, and the kind of sincerity of my heart. And that's the second part of what happens in Thessalonians. And then the third part of what happens in Thessalonians is that the Thessalonian church needs to be instructed. It needs a bit of, a bit of correction. It needs a bit of correction on doctrine. And we are going to unpack all of that. It's kind of areas of, of sexuality. It's areas of, of laziness. People not earning their own living and depending on others because they're in a Christian community. Correction around what, would hap what happens to you when you die. There's a big end times theme in the books of Thessalonians. They're confused. What happens? What happens between when you die and the time Jesus comes back? How do you prepare for when Jesus comes back? These are all part of the things that he addresses, which we're all going to get to. And so he, Paul, in these moments, he thanks God for them. He defends himself, but then he corrects them around some of their doctrine and the theology around which they're living and their holiness, etc., etc., how they're loving and what they're doing. This is the exciting journey that we've got together in this book. What's profound is that in such a short time, the gospel has had such a profound effect. We've got to trust God for that power in today's time. What's profound is that the power of persecution intensifies the spread of the gospel. It doesn't dampen it. When I look at the big picture of this, I just think, Lord, I hope we don't need to be persecuted for the gospel to go further and deeper. It shows how the gospel creates the church and how the church spreads the gospel. How the gospel shapes the church and how the church seeks to live that life out, that life worthy of the gospel. And he's trying to teach them how to live out a life worthy of the gospel. And our need for constant, ongoing instruction 
correction, teaching, because we live in a world that's pulling us this way and that way. It's the power of, of, of coming together and learning. It's the power of partnership, of, of being partnered around the world with different gifts and different churches and how we travel to each other and encourage one another and people come here and we go there. It's, it's all part of this package that we start to see, not only in the book of Thessalonians, but across the board in the scriptures of the epistles. It's an exciting time, friends. I, try, I, will, I, would, I would encourage you to read Acts 16 and 17. I would encourage you to take the book of 1 Thessalonians and begin to just work through it. Begin to read it. Begin to do your own devotional study, verse by verse. Just ask God, Lord, what does this mean? How does this look? What does this mean for me? Begin to unpack it yourself as we unpack it together. It's an exciting thing. This is going to be, this is not topical. We haven't, we haven't unpacked a book for a long time. This is not thematic. It's walking through a book. So when you get to a verse you don't like, you still got to work through it. When you get to end times and eschatology and weird thinking around that, and let me tell you, there's a lot of that in the church right now. You've got to unpack that. And that's the beauty of working through a book. So I invite you on the journey with excitement and grace and the power of God upon us so that we can see this gospel like the Thessalonian church. We want to be the model church like the Thessalonian church was a model church for, for our nation and for our region in Jesus' name. Amen. Bless you guys.